welcome to Be Natural, the podcast featuring stories from the badass women of the film and television industry. My name is Catherine Poole, but you can call me Kat, and I am very lucky today because usually I just have one amazing female filmmaker as my guest, and today I have six. Today I am speaking with six of these seven female writer-directors of Through the Blinds, and Through the Blinds is an anthology feature film of intimate stories that takes place over seven decades under one roof. With female protagonists ranging from a 50s housewife to a present-day career-focused millennial, seven women directors are on a mission to tell stories of underrepresented communities. So welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for having us. That's an incredible log line. (laughs) Yes. You want to watch it? Yes. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I've looked at the crowdfunding website. It looks amazing. I'm so excited for this story uh, and so excited that you guys are here today. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to just go through the anthology kind of story by story and get to meet each one of you individually. So first off, we have Christine Geralaga. And so Christine is a Filipinx American actor and filmmaker whose mission is to tell stories that center on people who are often excluded from the mainstream media. She hails from Vallejo, a town made famous by the Zodiac Killer, which is most likely why she is so obsessed (laughs) with the darkest parts of the human mind. Christine currently resides in Los Angeles, where she writes and directs genre films, drama, and a ton of sketch comedy. Vulture called her a creator to watch. She was also featured on TIFF by Instagram Shortsfest, The Future of Film is Female, THR Inc., BuzzFeed, Directed by Women, Attention Rappler, Amazon Fire TV, and Alter. So Christine, if you want to kick us off and start with the first story with the first family or, you know, characters that we meet in this anthology. Sure. So my segment is set in the 1950s. It's called Welcome to the Neighborhood. It is about a devoted housewife who loves being a housewife. She is clinging to her version of the American dream. And slowly her all white neighborhood is being in her mind invaded by families of color so a filipino american family moves in and that's where she starts to realize that this version of the american dream is not what she originally bought into it's a bit of a psychological thriller it's a weird satire and absurdist it's it's going to be a lot of fun and also a little dark so (laughs) yeah that's amazing (laughs) I love that I love darker humor and things like that awesome Uh, thank you so next up is destiny but I know she has to take a quick call right now so I'm gonna (laughs) jump I'm gonna jump (laughs) to the next part so we're gonna jump to Rebecca Louiselle and so Rebecca is a queer identified writer and director whose mission is to make media that matters and entertains, focused on telling stories coming out of underrepresented groups in our society. Rebecca is a graduate of production in cinematic arts at USC, where she was awarded several scholarships and a college television award. Their MFA thesis film, Gender Freak, premiered at Outfest, showed at 30 festivals worldwide, and is now on Amazon Prime. Recent projects have included directing an episode of the Pantheon web series on YouTube and directing and co-producing the web series L.A. Picker, available on the Boyish YouTube channel. In addition to the anthology, 
Rebecca is currently developing a feature film based on her real-life experience fostering an infant during the pandemic. Rebecca lives in LA with their wife and two cats. All right. Thank you so much. Take it away. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. You guys can call me Becca. These guys all call me Becca. And so my portion of the anthology is set in the 1970s. And this is a decade that um, fascinates me because my my mom and my beloved aunts um, on both sides of the family were kind of uh, coming of age in, in this time. So I'll say more about that. So it's 1976 and Frances is about, she's hanging out with her best friends and her parents are out of town. She is, I think, I think she's, I have her as 23 right now. And she's trying to figure out, she wants to try LSD for the first time, basically. And she's trying to get insight because her boyfriend has just asked her to marry him. And he's good on paper. He He's like, you know, his mom like has planned out their wedding already and he's ready to put a down payment on a house. And she always saw herself as being a mom, but she's also a writer and she really wants to go to grad school in Iowa. And she's not sure like how to make these things fit together. So she starts off the night, you know, hesitant, but then decides, yes, I'm going to go for it, try this psychedelic experience with my best friends. And then just after they take the drugs, her boyfriend slash almost fiance maybe shows up and then it goes from there. So with this film, I think I'm really looking at the seventies as a time in which the role of women was kind of changing. And there were still a lot of women that chose a traditional, more traditional path, but then there were women that sort of were coming to find and make their own way, whether it's because they were queer or because they were a writer or, you know, whatever it was. So that's what I'm excited to explore with this. And I did interviews with my aunts and some conversations with my mom, which have helped sort of inform. Originally, I was thinking this portion of the anthology would be dark. I sort of thought of as, um, like the hopelessness that women have faced maybe throughout time in terms of control of their lives. But in talking to my aunts, I realized that they had so much life experience and were so passionately taking life, you know, by the horns that sort of gave me more of a sense of like, okay, it it was people were starting to find their own way. There was more hope there, I guess. I love it. It sounds so fun. It sounds like it's going to be a really fun thing to shoot too when it comes time. I think so. (laughs) So next is Jessica Liu, but she was unable to join us today. So I am going to read her bio. And then one of these lovely women is going to share the log line for her part of the anthology. And so Jessica's films have been selected at various festivals, Museum of Creative Minds, Shanghai, San Francisco Independent Film Festival, New Filmmakers LA, Dances with Films, etc., and can be seen on Amazon Prime. Her film, Prom Time, 2019, garnered several awards, such as the Women's Empowerment Award from Anaheim Film Festival, an opportunity to direct a fully funded feature film through Studio Fest and the attention of her current mentor, Emmy Award winner, Kate Hackett, by winning Cinema Femme's February 2021 showcase. Her work combines dreamlike states with mundane realities. She enjoys bringing bits of dark humor and magical realism to grounded stories, juxtaposing the perverse with the heartwarming. So I'm Sylvia, and Jessica's segment is called Someone Special, and it's set in the 1980s, and her logline is, with an abductor of young women at large, sheltered Addie discovers her growing curiosity towards danger. And it's really, (laughs) really fun read, and I'm excited to watch it when it's made, but I think she plays a lot with a coming-of-age story where, you know, somehow we're drawn to danger and 
we're just exploring what sexuality is. And we play a lot with what a house means to us and what home means to us. And for Addie, I think it particularly feels like a cage. And so there's little ways that sh- in, the, in the film that Jessica has where she somewhat tries to find an escape. So I'll leave it at that. It's very intriguing and I'm a huge fan of Jessica. So I'm excited to get this made so I can watch her segment <laughs> and yes. all of ours, really. <laughs> it's, a good te- it's a good teaser. For, for what's to come. I love true crime. So like Christine, I, I, I love all that stuff. So I'm very excited for that sort of thing as well. So we're going to backtrack a little bit now that Destiny's back. So next up, we'll go to Destiny Stewart. And so Destiny is a director, writer, producer, and actor known for Well-Spoken, a Vimeo staff pick, Bagels and Coffee, Life Book Hackers, and The Truth of Us. She is currently in development on a doc web series focusing on the lives of Black women. In a 2020 interview on treehouse.la, Destiny notes on the subject of creating art, I feel the need to. I have always felt, even as a child, I didn't quite know what the feeling meant till I created my first story. Knowing that somewhere in their world, there is a person, a person who may not even be born yet, who will connect with the story of mine makes me feel that I have a great responsibility to create for my truth. So on that note, we will go over to Destiny. Hi, I am Destiny Stewart. My segment is in the 60s and I'm just so excited to be writing for the 60s. This era means a lot to me culturally and politically. And I created this story called River and that's the name of our titled character who's six years old. And River is a very opinionated six-year-old fight the white man, a kind of child. And her world is basically interrupted when her mother returns home from a long hospital stay and the outside world and her inside world collide and she has to figure out a way to deal with it. So that's a little bit about River. I love that. I love even just the range of ages among the different stories and how, you know, we have a 23 year old who's maybe about to get married and then we have a six year old and she's a little feistier. So I love that. So next up, we will go over to Sylvia Ray. And so Sylvia is a Chicana Korean American filmmaker who focuses on stories about characters that overcome fears and feelings of unworthiness while navigating the humor of the human experience. Sylvia's films have played in festivals around the world, like Phoenix Film Festival, Kikoloris Film Festival, and New Filmmakers LA. Her short film, A Period Piece, won Best Female Filmmaker at Lonely Seal Film Festival granting her $10,000 in prizes and has been distributed to Genre TV through Women of Color Unite. Her short film, Lenny, was accepted to the 2021 HOLA Mexico Film Festival, awarded her into the Tomorrow Filmmakers Today program, and is available to stream on Pantea and Dish Latino. So, Sylvia, do you want to share your part of the anthology? Yeah, so... My story is called The Neighbors, and it's set in 1994, and it's about a young girl named Venice who's around eight years old. She's somewhat lonely, isolated. She just lives with her father, and basically she hears laughter and gets kind of curious about the neighbors and invited over. And what she learns when she gets there is that this isn't your ordinary family, that the kids, they're about three or four kids, and the family, they're all basically a homeschooled, very religious home. And she gets in and has a series of playdates that she kind of just 
is very memorable and unique and somewhat of a fish out of water experience for her. I wrote The Neighbors based off of my own personal experience growing up with my personal neighbors and basically (laughs) had experiences where I was disciplined and was taught certain things that were very different from my household. And I wanted to explore what it means to, to have like a very strong female friendship that ends up being and so that's kind of what the neighbors is about and I hope I explained it well (laughs) no you did you did did a great job next we have T.L. Kwok so Tina or T.L. is an Asian American writer director who focuses on psychological thriller films emphasizing themes about women's fears drawing inspiration from Hitchcock and Asian cinema she hopes to diversify and update the thriller lens with a female POC perspective After working years in production of major motion pictures, Kwok soon became a member of the Alliance of Women Directors as a result of her award-winning short films. Her feature-length script, Crave, has been awarded among numerous screenwriting competitions, including Scriptapalooza, Screencraft, and Final Draft, Big Break. All right, take it away. Yeah, so my story sets in, you know, early thousand, two thousands, and it's about a single mom who she comes home to her place being ransacked and uh, she and she finds out that nothing was stolen so she's kind of gets in her mind about like who has done it or who is broken into the place but also on top of that just living her life like going to work taking care of kids how to schedule this stuff and essentially the story is a, it's a pressure cooker of stresses that I wanted to emulate that what women of color would and single women of color or mothers of color of color like kind of carry throughout even top of a traumatic experience so you know she gets in her head and like she needs to work and then she's like okay let me let me get a dog let me get a gun you know kind of thing and just kind of like what is it the neighbors have done it is it her ex-husband it's just like that kind of all building up on top of like the microaggressions she gets from her communities so yeah Oh, I love that. Yeah, these are all so good. I just can't wait for this to come out so I can watch them all. <laughs> so last but certainly not least, we have Luisa Novo. So born in Cascavel, Brazil, Luisa has directed a number of short films, both in Brazil and the U.S. She uses her perspective and point of view to shine a light on issues that arise from how society and culture affect women's lives. Some recurring themes in her stories are self-image, self-worth, machismo, sexual harassment and assault. These are heavy subjects, but she believes in using storytelling to start a conversation and move toward change in the world. Luisa participated in the HOLA Mexico Film Festival Tomorrow's Filmmakers Today program presented by HBO and HFPA in 2019, which highlights emerging Latinx filmmakers. All right, to finish off, go for it. My film takes place in 2019, so just pre-pandemic. And it's about uh, a 30 year old who uh, lost her mother unexpectedly and she has to come back home to sell the house where she spent most of her formative years in. And the themes of my story are about the digital life that we have right now and how lonely it can be, even though it's ubiquitous, like people and images are everywhere, but it doesn't mean you're really relating to anyone and how we are a very career-driven generation 
and what that means to the familial ties and family life that we sometimes forgo in search of those career dreams. And my, I, and I think we're going to talk about my character is the teenager daughter on Tina's film. So we definitely explore and you can see like her childhood and what does that mean now in the present time? Amazing. Yeah. And I'm curious to kind of know how you decided to bridge the last two stories and have, you know, the carryover of certain characters. What, what inspired that decision? So when I was thinking about what did I want to write, I wanted this character to have to sell the home she grew up in. So for that to make make sense in a, in our anthology, she would have to have grown up in the 2000s, which is the same time Tina's um, story takes place. So she already had a teenage daughter on her story. So we just worked together to make sure my character and her character were the same. The, and, and the mom that we see in her story is the mom that dies in mine. So that's how we decided to bridge the two stories, because for my story, it was important, the, the element of the childhood home. And I think like her doing that actually fed to my story as well in terms of because in, in my story, I'm the protagonist is the mother. And she's actually very protective of her house. She becomes very protective. And that reflects the relationship of the, with the daughter as she grows up as well. And But it's also, even though she's really protective, she's also very loving. Like she actually listens and cares and everything. So that is to that, have a little piece of that before Louise's um, story. It's very helpful. And then I also, personality from Louise's story of, of Sonia, the, uh, the daughter who grows up, like I carried the pieces of that into mine as well. It was like how she's, you know, kind of like the, like a, a quiet or even like outsider, maybe rebel type kind of still emo, maybe possibly emo person <laughs> kind of thing, <laughs> you know, probably what like I was in the early 2000s as well. <laughs> I love that. I love how kind of a logistical thing almost for one ended up kind of working for both of you guys in kind of unexpected ways. That's awesome. Bouncing off the logistical sense, we that's how our story really, our film really came out where we wanted to do it all in one house and how that kind of flowed through that. And that logistical, I guess, restraint that we gave ourselves, but like kind of brewed more creativity out of that. So yeah, definitely. It's like, but I can't remember the quote off the top of my head or who said the quote, but you know, it's like you know, limits or, you know, lead to more creativity or, you know, I'm paraphrasing or botching the real quote, but it's something along those lines of, you know, great things coming out of limitations. So you, some of you met at the directing actors workshop hosted by the Alliance of Women Directors, but I'm kind of curious you know, if you all meet there or how did this particular group come together for this project? So basically we, myself, Tina, Becca, and Louisa, and Jessica were part of the Directing the Actors class with Jennifer Warren. So basically, we got together for a potluck to kind of reunite and, you know, shoot the shit, <laughs> express like, what's, you know, the woes of filmmaking and like rejection and barriers. And one of the barriers that came up was creating a feature film or getting a feature film off the ground. So I believe it was Becca that came up with the idea of an anthology and us all potentially um, doing one together. Mm -hmm. And we kind of, from there, 
chose different decades because, you know, the ideas just kept rolling. Let's do it all in the same house. Let's choose a decade and then write, write a short segment or write a short film from there. And, and then there were a few gaps that we needed to fill mm-hmm. uh, in order to kind of round out our film. And one was the origin story, the beginning, the like first, you know, home. And then the other was the 60s. And so we actually sought out directors and found the lovely Christine and Destiny <laughs> to thankfully round out our group. Awesome. And so could you maybe elaborate more or one of you elaborate more a little bit on how the decades were chosen? I mean, you alluded to a little bit how you kind of chose things, but kind of how did each of you kind of come to decide which decade you wanted to focus on? Well, I I know for me, I wanted to do the 70s. It's the decade that I was born in. And I think the fact that it was my mom and my aunts, I just sort of was thinking about the 70s. And and my dad as well, he was a conscientious objector to Vietnam. So I just, that time period, even just like the clothes, like a lot of people hate on 70s clothes, but I really love them. (laughs) So I just... I thought it'd be fun. And I definitely, I definitely thought there was a lot to explore there, even including sort of my family history and things like that. I don't remember exactly. It's, it's been so long ago, right? Two years, but I don't, I think we kind of all chose what we wanted, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There was nobody that like wanted the same decade that another person wanted. Right. Yeah. It just worked out that way. Yeah, it was a little free for all. And then, and then Christine and Destiny did not have a choice. (laughs) We recruited them specifically. Actually, that's what I was going to say. When I came on, it was a choice between the 60s and another decade. And I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it was the future. That's right. I'm definitely doing the 60s. (laughs) For me, it came right after all the things in 2020 with George Floyd and all the protests. And I was in the 60s era already healing and doing a lot of work and a lot of research and just finding words and emotions that I didn't know how to express through their music and speeches. And then this project came and she, Sylvia was like, well, we have the sixties or the, the future. I was like, no, I need healing. 60s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I honor them. I need to f- complete my healing. So I definitely felt like the sixties was kind of just, I'm surprised no one else picked it. I think it was just reserved specifically. <laughs> it was meant to be. Yeah. yeah. If you read each one, like it, you're like, okay, this director needed to do this decade. Like it's perfect, mm-hmm. you know, perfect representation of, of a family that could have existed in, at this era. I love that. Everyone kind of got the decade they were meant to have in some ways. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I came in and they had explained to me, like, we need someone to tell a 50s story. And like, right off the bat for me first was like, complete fear because it's like, ooh, this is a decade I've never tackled before. This is going to be extremely challenging. We're dealing with suburbia in the 50s. And how do we do this in an, you know, an original way? Because so many stories have been told from the perspective of a white housewife. And just like in my research on that decade on blockbusting, redlining, just like like families of color trying to get homes in these neighborhoods where they were completely facing, you know, racism and discrimination. It it was just like, oh, this is, this is going to be so freaking 
exciting and challenging to do. And it, it did feel like completely meant to be when it all came together. So really cool. Yeah. And Christine was also given that challenge because we wanted to tell diverse stories. Mm-hmm. And so having the challenge to start off with a white family where people are moving into this American um, suburbia, you know, I think she really took the, what is that phrase? Take the bull by the horn. Oh yeah. She did, she did it. <laughs> In the way I know how with genre and, uh, and thrill. Yeah, I chose the, the thousands because um, like, remember the days without like smartphones <laughs> and how like, you know, and now we can have like ring and everything and put like cameras around and then see on your phone and everything. I, I want to go back to that point where we're, we don't really know our neighbors as well enough or, um, I, I mean, I also grew up um, in that time frame as well. And I just remember my, my dad being extremely paranoid at all times about protecting the house. And so when we, we thought about how the premise of like doing it all in a house, what does home mean? I kind of inherited my, my dad's thoughts about like protecting and what it means to protect. How do you protect your own family? And with Veronica, my main character, she she doesn't have like a husband in that house. You know, she's the mom and dad at the same time. So definitely that extra stress and less help in that sense. At least we have technological help, but back then we don't. Or I was just thinking, because I didn't explain why why I chose the 90s, I guess, but I, I can talk about like, so... I really jumped at, when I think about home, when I think about memorable homes to me, I think about homes in the 90s that belonged to my friends because I was never home. I was always at somebody else's house like every single day. And like I mentioned, my, my story is about my neighbors who was homeschooled and I was there so much and I have so many like bizarre, weird memories. And so that's kind of where I jumped at. Like, oh, if we're talking about a house. I want to be, I want it to be set in the nineties at this particular house. (laughs) So that's why I chose the nineties. I didn't come up with any stories set in the past. So I was so glad nobody else jumped at doing right now. Cause I was like, (laughs) nothing else comes to my mind except right now. It was the pandemic, all my feelings. I had so many feelings about living away from home. And I've been in this country for 10 years. It was was like a lot of bubbling up things that I wanted to talk about. So it worked out perfectly that nobody else wanted it but me. (laughs) Sometimes it just works out like that, though. Another thing I noticed is that you guys also have different genres you're bringing together. And I'm curious to know if that was something that you knew going in that you wanted to all kind of work in different genres or if that was kind of a decision that you talked about. You know, did you want to make it more of the same genre in terms of how you were going to continue the story or kind of what was that creative process like? I could speak to that. So initially when Becca gave us the idea, we threw a lot of examples from a lot of horror films and maybe with the idea of focusing on women's fears. But a lot of us don't like, I think I'm the only one of the few who actually have, or Christine as well, where kind of have that experience or like love horror in that sense. But it's not fair for the others to kind of just dive into be- being doing horror as well if that's not their authentic voice or authentic style. So that's why we just wanted to keep it as as fluid to reflect our, our own perspectives. 
I just want to add, TL, I love horror. And oh, okay. <laughs> horror, so. <laughs> I end my night with a horror film. <laughs> I, I, I do want to also add that, like, I think it's really interesting when having read everyone's scripts, there is still some form of dread Mm-hmm. that that you feel throughout each story like there there is a genre element to each story that's being told and I love that and I also want to say what really excited me about when we were coming up with the project together as a team accepting that each story there needs to be a through line of course like and make like just some cohesiveness for this to be a feature film but also that because we're doing it from the perspective of completely different people, like we are telling human stories, we're getting a chance to show just how different their experiences are through the different genres that we're telling or using in telling these stories. And I think that's what's exciting about the project because we don't have to say, well, it has to be all horror because it's mm-hmm. a horror film. And it's like, no, everyone's experience in this house needs to be different. Because that's how it would be if there were seven different families living in this house. So that's what I love about what we're doing with this. And it's going to be really cool to see brought to life. I think it makes for a more interesting watch as well. You're not going to watch seven comedies. You're not going to watch seven dramas or horrors. You're going to watch a diverse, just as inclusive and a diverse as our film is. So are the ways we're telling these stories, which I find really, really interesting. And it also proves stories can be told in a multitude of ways. And there isn't just one way to tell a story or tell an experience, which is something that I really, I love that it is so different. And even with the, like you were saying with the ages, who we're telling the story from is so different. Is And the fact that we're all different cultures, like African-Americans, we tell stories culturally different. Latino tells stories culturally different. And I think we're all bringing in whatever that background is into this. And so it's an experience of us as creators, as women, as our culture, and as storytellers. So yeah, Destiny said it in a more eloquent way of what I was about to say. But essentially, it, you know, again, like our project is also like we we kind of like it all tends to work out in that way that even though it's all diverse Mm -hmm. and also keeps the audience on their toes it's Mm -hmm. like you know when you have all like seven horror films you're like okay I'm ready to be scared kind of thing or like (laughs) a comedy is like okay I'm gonna laugh kind of thing but they don't know as they go to each story so um yeah they're all in it for a surprise (laughs) and I think also one thing that I super appreciate about our group is that everybody really wants everybody to succeed together and so it's like yeah if you don't want to tell a classically horror genre story then we don't want to make you do that because we've all had the experience of being trying to fit into some kind of box as women filmmakers that we don't maybe fit into so we don't want to put each other through that you know what I mean I would just add just so the the whole reason I tossed this idea out and then it, you know, everybody took it on and it became this whole amazing project was I had seen a horror anthology at Sundance in 2017. And I'd been thinking like, oh, it'd be cool to do an anthology with some other directors because 
that would be a way of like, there's such a barrier to making a feature if you haven't made a feature, if you're a woman or a person of color or queer or whatever from any sort of marginalized background and, and you don't have the money yourself, you know, how do you, how do you get there? And so I sort of had this idea, but I, I tossed it out to a couple different, like, you know, different directors that I knew and nobody really bid. And, you know, they were, most of them were men and stuff like that. And they were kind of pursuing their own things. And then as I was listening to us all at that potluck, I was like, oh, well, maybe, maybe these women would be interested in this. And so sort of tossed it up. And then so happy that, that it became this whole other thing. But I think it's interesting because when, even when I saw that anthology, I thought, well, this is really interesting. Like I would never make it like this, you know? And I sort of did think like nine lives, I really enjoyed there's ways that those stories connected together. And so I think um, we wanted to make something that was a little more, there's more of a through line than just sort of things that are the genre the same, but the stories don't connect at all. I think that's an incredible way of doing it too, because you talk about the barriers that are, you know, that are faced just of how sad it is, the lack of, you know, female directors and female directors of color and just the barriers we have to overcome. So I think it's so smart and such a great, amazing idea to kind of approach it this way, because then now you have a feature film and you get to kind of highlight and show off all these different amazing voices. So I'm going to mention this a lot. I always mention this in, this in my episodes, but I do come from Women in Motion. And so as part of that, we would do sets and we would uh, fund projects. And so there always tended to be this feeling that all female sets or majority female creative teams were more comfortable or, you know, maybe more of an enjoyable experience for people, especially if it was their first time on set. And so I was wondering if you noticed any differences working with a mostly female team from maybe any other experience you've had. And then if so, what do you hope to bring from that in the development process into the production stage? I will say my first great filmmaking experience came when I hired my first all-female cast and crew. And that's not to say that women and men or their other cannot work together. But I do think that there's a certain synergy and a certain urgency that's placed on set when it's all women. And there's, I mean, situations are handled different with more ease and grace. I guess that's the word. It's just more ease and grace. And you you feel safer, you feel more like you can be creative. I just felt more, me personally, I feel more supported and more directed, like we're going in a certain direction when there's more women involved or even other involved. Yeah, I can, I can speak for, for our group specifically. I think, you know, we came in knowing we didn't want to pigeonhole anyone or have some sort of, you know, we, we talked a lot about what kind of agreement process we were going to have. And when we have disagreements and when we discuss stuff, it's, it's through all through love and support. And we all found different ways to come to a great conclusion. And I think that this group in particular is very special because we all have different personalities, yet somehow we complement each other and we have always moved forward. We found producers together. We've created this amazing crowdfunding campaign together. There's so many steps involved and so many things and different assets we have to make. And we all have these different skill sets and we allow each other to thrive in those sense, in that sense. I feel like this group of women, I feel like we all know what our 
adversities are, like how, how we've been struggling as female directors or thriving as female directors and or women directors. And I think that kind of empathy we have for each other, I think we really just end up being super supportive. Like this, this just feels very supportive. And we're also learning the process of making a feature film together because we all are developing and hustling on different projects as well. And this doing this one together feels like somehow it just keeps floating up where it just keeps getting, you know, one step forward, which is a nice feeling to have. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to add the, the, the biggest strength is our openness and the support. I've been actually in different sets and I always feel the odd one out, whether it's like some kind of element, whether it's I am of the woman and everybody's guys or like or they're all bros and they're all talking about sports or something like that. Or I'm the Asian person and everyone's talking about Rosé. I don't know. It's just kind of like I'm always the odd person out and always excluded for some reason in these certain environments. And I think it's also on top of that, there's an establishment of this one idea of a leader or something that is very, to be very frank, like white, male, straight, super privileged, like rich person. There's also class issues are hard, like that is hard to connect especially considering like, you know, if being in a group of people who are like complaining about their Uber was late to coming, picking them up to go to the production office. And I'm like, you get an Uber, you know, things like that. That is like the such disconnect, but there, but that openness is very important to be empathetic to different groups. And that's why diversity is so important. It's just not necessarily all one category that needs to exist. It's just all these categories and being understanding of all of it so it's it's been a real struggle in just terms of like needing everyone to make space for like different types of people we are so yeah 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 I think Tina has a lot of different experiences on set where she could speak to those differences and I think that having this group to kind of vent to each other and like <laughs> yeah, and just like I'm going through this or this happened at work and this happened at work is just like everything yeah yeah. And it's, it is about like, not like, I think we are systematically taught to that, this one vision of like how to run a set or how to basically sell in life. And that's just not the truth or it, it's one truth, but not the many truths that exist. <laughs> not only that, I think we're taught one way to tell a story and, you know, and since, since I'm an instructor as well, I come across this oh, even within myself, like, do I, you know, because we talk about story is conflict, right? And there's a lot of truth to that. That's that's one way of looking at it. But, you know, Celine Siama, probably butchering her name, she did Portrait of Lady on Fire and many other great films. She actually was talking in The New Yorker recently about, you know, can there be a different grammar of film language? And I really love that idea. It's sort of like the male gaze, female gaze. I identify as a woman and non-binary sort. So I sort of want to think about it, maybe not quite exactly in those terms, but is there a way of, is there a way of being able to tell a story that doesn't necessarily have that classic arc, but is still very compelling? And I think even the other day I was thinking with my story, oh my God, does it have enough conflict? But then I was like, no, no, this is a story I want to tell. And everyone's going to let me tell the story I want to tell. And, you know, and, and hopefully people will get something out of that, that maybe is a little fresher or newer. And I think Hollywood has been so reluctant to, you know, like traditional industry has been so reluctant to kind of let those voices through and do what they want to do. And so we kind of have been creating our own opportunity to do that. Yeah. 
but I hear a lot of is like leaving space for one another too, you know, and, and I, I want to put ease and grace on a sign and put it on the wall. I love that. I think that <laughs> is amazing, but yeah, I definitely agree. I think we, we notice that just in women emotion too, just things tended to feel a little bit more relaxed at times. I mean, we were still working hard and getting done what we needed to get done, but you didn't have that same, oh my God, am I doing it right? There's not that same level of anxiety and looking over your shoulder. Like, am I doing things right? Or am I going to have a space on this set or in this meeting or, you know, wherever it is. So when this film comes out, what do you want people to take away from it? Like what, what would be your hope that people watch this and they're walking away? You know, what do you hope they take away from it? That's a big question. I know. So Well, I feel like a word that comes to mind for me is inspired. And I also, we talked about this the other day, you know, the idea of getting picked up as a potential series or whatnot, and and then moving into a season two or season three, and just having a whole new slew of women directors would be very interesting. I just, you know, we want to create opportunities and we want to inspire people to really take the bull by the horns and, and do what they need to do and follow their dreams. That's that's what comes to mind. For me, all of what Sylvia says, I think is the overarching goal. And also just through my story, I really want to honor the people who've been affected. My story does deal with forced sterilization, which is where women, men, disabled bodies, feeble-minded people have been coerced into a procedure unknowingly. And we still see it to this day. (laughs) We look at our borders. We look at LA prison system. I believe in 2017, there was five female uh, prisoners who were found out that they were sterilized and voluntary. So for me personally with this story, I do want to discuss that. North Carolina is the only state that is that is doing something about this. And it's existed in every state here in America and it's at our borders. And when we look at African-American women and the number of women who are unable to have children, the number of women who have to have to have C-section, for me, it's all part of our bodies and our futures being murdered without our, our say. So it's important for me to just open that dialogue in some way and to let people know this part of history that isn't history. Mm-hmm. That isn't just history, I should say. Amazing. I would say for me, and in addition, like to piggyback what everyone has been saying so far, like absolutely would, I hope people come away from seeing our film inspired to create their own opportunities to work together as a team. I mean, I wish I could just do an anthology with these women for the rest of my life. It's just like, this is the way to do it. (laughs) Like, this is the way to make projects happen is just to do it together. And I love that idea so much. I think in seeing this film, it would be really cool to expand on like what Becca is saying about like the like grammar of storytelling and also like the idea of what representation means. I love that we're all getting a chance to show very complicated, complex, you know, fully realized human beings, but from the perspective of female characters, like for mine specifically, I really want to be able to show like, like 
someone who's pretty flawed, <laughs> someone who's pretty unlikable and who's making really horrible choices. And it's not because they're a woman. It is because they're human, because as humans, we make really tough choices and we don't know the consequences of those choices sometimes. So yeah, expanding what representation actually looks like and remi- like remembering that at the end of the day, it's like, we are trying to show that every person that has has been marginalized is a human being. And that's what's exciting about this to me too. I totally agree with everything that's been said. And Christine, I love that. I totally agree. If we could keep doing this for the rest of our careers, that would be amazing. And I hope we will. You know, I, I think in terms of just what, what I want people to walk away from the story from is kind of a sense of, of that sort of sense of like, okay, like the door has closed, but another one has opened and we're moving forward, I guess. And I feel like Louisa's story really does that in a very bittersweet way. And so I want people to have that feeling of bittersweet, you know, sort of like you want to cry, but you also feel good and satisfied. That that I think is what I'm looking for. I think feeling seen, like there's Mm -hmm. so many different correct, so many different characters and so many different characters and just like coming away with that bittersweet feeling and feeling seen in some in each and every character that would be awesome yeah for for myself and especially in my story I did wanted to like share everyone again the complexity of each individual and and see what we are carrying I feel like a lot of representation that is you know directed by men and all that stuff is just like these women characters are just kind of either the sex symbol or this one note type thing or She's just the person who just helps out with the mission or whatever like that. There's just something, nothing complex about it. And then there's, especially in the thriller space, there's a lot of films that have, oh, strong female protagonists, but they're all directed by men and written by men. And there's lost complexity that happens because of that. There's so much horror films and thrillers are about motherhood and childbirth like something like rosemary's baby or something like on many other uh, examples in the recent i guess films that came out but it's just like they're all directly like guys and they just don't have the perspective to tell that kind of story but they're still allowed to but for us to tell our stories we're also educating others that no this is not like you just don't have you know give birth to a baby in 20 seconds kind of thing there's so much more complexity to that it's you know of course, in movie magic, we can't, you know, have a 24 hour type birth thing or whatever like that. But like, that's just an example of things that are just kind of lost in media and it's miseducating our society on that. So with ours, it's in a way it is an educational piece of just like, this is what women can experience through these times and the complexity of their identity that can reflect that. And especially just like with Destiny's story, I actually did not know those were things were going on. So for the fact that she is telling this story, that's something that opened my eyes to like, okay, research more about and understand what that has been continuing on as well. Yeah, everything everybody has said, but I think especially what Destiny said, I think our piece is, and Christine, society oppression in this people's lives, in women's lives, women's lives, in everybody's lives. And how it's still going on either continuously or in a cycle. Mm-hmm. And so people can be aware, like if they didn't know about blockbusting redlining in the fifties or 
we're telling in a very visceral way, very specific types of stories in Destiny's hysterization, which definitely it's like all of this is still happening in some shape or form. And I just think our story is very unique in that sense. And that's what I would like people to come away of. They learn something about a topic they didn't know, but also related to something that they probably do know it's happening, but they didn't know it was happening back then. And just how much further we have to fight, especially as women, to, <laughs> to get everything that's bad corrected i guess that's a tall order (laughs) (laughs) there's a a book called invisible woman i think or or at least and it talks about the the data biases and how basically all the defaults it's all based off a specific male Mm -hmm. figure like there are cars like more more women are are likely to especially pregnant women too are likely to get hurt in a car accident because their seatbelts and their seats aren't designed for them or that may, women are misdiagnosed sometimes that having a heart attack because they have different symptoms all the symptoms that we know of in media where you like left arm tingling and all that stuff that's all based off male data and so it goes through a lot of examples of that but that's just kind of, kind of an example of why we need stories like this to say no we can't just base off this one data and then reflect it off of media and that you know, when we're learning all that, basically, I think we already are changing up and making people know different perspectives and everything and that we are, there is no default. <laughs> mm-hmm. No default. Mm. Amen. <laughs> yes. So I'm sold and I'm obviously very excited for this. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see this when it comes out. I'm going to be with Becca, I'm going to be like, I can't wait. Tell me when it's coming out. Uh, she's going to be constantly <laughs> hearing from me about it. But if people are like me and they're really excited for this and they want to contribute, where should they go? How should they find the project? Find you guys if they want to see your other work and the other amazing things you guys are doing because you guys are all so incredible and so inspiring. And I'm so lucky to have you here today. So if you just want to share where people can find you after this. Well, they could find our crowdfunding campaign, which we just launched on Tuesday, um, the 22nd. We're like on our third, fourth day today, I think. So it's going on until March 24th, but we have just raised 52% of our goal as of last night, which is insane. So huge thanks to everyone who has been supporting us so far. They can find our campaign on Seed and Spark. It's our film is called Through the Blinds, our anthology film, and they could support us there. If they can't contribute financially, that's totally fine. We understand we're living in a pandemic right now. It's still hard times. Another way they can support that is completely free and takes less than a minute of their time is just by clicking that follow button on our Seed and Spark campaign. By doing that, helping us get to 500 followers at least will unlock in so many sub- incentives for us as filmmakers. We will be able to submit to film festivals for free if we get those incentives just by following the campaign. It's a huge help. So that's how they could find us. They could also find us on Instagram at Through the Blinds Film. That's our handle, right? <laughs> 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 okay. And 
at our website throughtheblindsanthology.com. For me personally, Christine Geralaga, you can find me at Christine Geralaga on Instagram. I'm It's Geralaga on Twitter. And that's mostly where you'll see me hanging out, talking about films to myself. <laughs> but like, feel free to engage. Um, and I'll pass it off to one of my teammates. <laughs> It's okay. Me and Christine are talking to each other on Twitter on our by ourselves. Sylvia, Sylvia and I chat back and forth too. Yeah. <laughs> you said your Twitter. I was like, she's she's talking to herself. <laughs> I'm there if you want to find me. I'm there and I'm never on it. I think I have a. <laughs> 2005 <laughs> right I know I'm like why did I even start this account it's fine I'm, I'm having more fun now no I, I I never got Twitter I just don't get it anyway I'm still trying to get it <laughs> it's okay though because I definitely get Instagram and I am on there y'all mm-hmm. uh, so you can find me my name is destiny d-e-s-t-i-n-e-e that is important no Y, two E's. You can find me at my website, which is Destiny Stewart, uh, D-E-S-T-I-N-E-E-S-T-E-W-A-R-T.com. My Instagram is Destiny Stewart underscore creates. And another Instagram handle you can find me at is All Trails Lead to Destiny, which is my hiking and nature page. I lead hikes for um, BIPOC creatives, Black women and youth of color as well hiking and camping so you can find me on there i'm always on a trail and also just to put this in there it is one of our incentives is going on a creative hike with me so mm-hmm. um, if you're interested check out my hiking page see that i'm cool and i love hiking and i'm good and you'll have a great time and then select that incentive for us <laughs> Or follow, and, follow, please. and don't don't forget to wear socks when you go hiking with Destiny, <laughs> like me. <laughs> oh dear! Yes, never. Quick story: Sylvia and I finally go hiking, and we're having a great time. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm talking to a mutual friend of ours, and I'm trying to get her to go on the hike with us. She's like, "No, Sylvia's like really hurt bad <laughs> hiking with you." I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> walked like how she didn't fall like what are you talking about and then I talked to Sylvia apparently her ankles were bleeding like the entire time and she never said anything to me but homegirl wore ankle socks oh you gotta wear the taller socks now I know (laughs) and if you get the incentive for destiny she will teach you all about it exactly exactly Um, I can go next. I'm Sylvia Ray. My handle is Sylvia Lynn at Sylvia Lynn with a B because that's the way my mom says it. And (laughs) it's S-Y-L-B-I-A-L-I-N. And then I have my website, SylviaRayDirects.com, but that's spelled correctly. It's S-Y-L-V-I-A-R-A-Y Directs.com. But yeah, that's my handle, I think, across all platforms. So you can find me. I'm, I'm dabbling in all of them, hustling. (laughs) and so for me i am r louis l on instagram r l-o-u-i-s-e-l-l l L is in lisa l is in lisa as i like to say but on twitter i'm b louis l and yeah i don't have a huge following on either one so feel free to engage follow etc on facebook rebecca louis l and my website is rebecca louis l.com 
I'm thinking one of us should like shout out Jessica's website or something too. Okay, cool. Jessica, her Instagram is Jessica J E S S I C A J L I U. I just learned how to pronounce Christine's last name to you guys. So, you know, <laughs> and then her website, oh, she has a persimmon. I love persimmons, is the Jessica Lou T H E. J-E-S-S-I-C-A-L-I-U.com. I was probably the wrong person to do <laughs> You did it with enthusiasm. So that's- <laughs> and, we have, and we have two more directors. And if you're still listening, you in a car. <laughs> All right. Yes. So mine is T-L Clock Films. And it's the same all across the board. So T-L-Q-U-A-C-H-F-I-L-M-S plural and yeah that's all the same for twitter instagram facebook and my website my twitter which i also don't understand but i'm there so if you want to follow me and on instagram and facebook mine is all the same is louisa l-u-i-s-a-m novo n-o-v-o louisa m novo and my website is just louisa novo no m.com yeah go follow and see what's up excited to have people follow you <laughs> everyone follow louisa it's such a great interesting feed and great website <laughs> all of us we are all great Awesome. And I will link the crowdfunding link in the description of this episode, as well as linking any social media uh, to any of these lovely directors slash writers. And so thank you all so much again for being here and to everyone else have a great week and remember to be natural.